Hello, I'm Michael Brodeur, and welcome to Leaders Alliance. We are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who are passionate about helping you become the world-changing leader that God created you to be. Join the conversation. Welcome, everybody, to the Leaders Alliance podcast. Welcome, you guys. It's good to be back with you. We have amazing guests on today that you're going to really enjoy. Excellent. But before we do, let's just uh, take a minute to share a little bit about Leaders Alliance. We are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders, including church leaders, marketplace leaders, thought leaders, emerging generation leaders, church planters, (laughs) all coming together to cross-pollinate a transformational vision. We believe that Jesus died to make the church the powerful force of influence on the earth, that he died that we would be salt and light, that we would be kings and priests unto our God, and that we would bring his influence, the Great Commission influence, to individuals and to different entities, to different groups, to different you know, government or education or, or medicine. And we believe that we have a role to do that, but unfortunately the church has not been doing that as effectively as we could. And so Leaders Alliance is all about strengthening our leadership and collaborating with one another in community to see that transformation happen. Yeah, we just really enjoy, um, just invite you to join us in building this community. Um, You know, we have regular speakers. We have our podcast, obviously, that you're on. But we also have a lot of materials because a lot of times leading in the business realm, in our active lives, in our churches, we feel like we have to reinvent the wheel. We have to, you know, we don't know what to do or why we're not succeeding. But there are those of us who have gone before that have a little bit of wisdom. And so we've garnered some of the best around the world to speak into your lives and be able to help you on your journey. And you can check out all of this at leadersalliance.org. And if you go to the training, you'll see that we have over 60 training sessions, about 500 hours of training. I mean, we have a (laughs) massive amount of resource to make it your disposal. But anyway, before we uh, get get too lost in the commercial. Let's just take a moment now and pray. Diane, would you just pray God's blessing on yeah, our time together? Come on, we need God. We need you, Lord. And we ask that you would just take our hearts and that you'd fill us with life and you'd lead us with our destiny before us, that you would uh, show us keys of your kingdom to solve the problems in our life and that you would bring us ahead into the next phase of what you have for all of us. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, most of you know that uh, Diane and I founded a church in San Francisco in 1984 that was connected to the Vineyard Movement. And that church became a breakthrough church in the city and grew to be quite large. Uh, Through the years, we were 15 years at the Vineyard, and then 10 years uh, after the Vineyard, we led that church. And then uh, in 2010, we turned it over to a young couple, amazing leaders, uh, uh, Jake and Amber Winslow, Mm -hmm. and they led it for another season, about eight or nine years. And then they felt like the Lord was calling them on. And so we did a pastoral search. And that's really who we're going to introduce to you today. We're going to introduce Clint and Jennifer Adams who came all the way from Alabama to San Francisco to be part of this amazing work that God had begun 37 years ago. And now they're the, they're the lead pastors of this church called Revive San Francisco. Could you guys come on, on board with us right now? Welcome. Have you here? We're glad you're here. Gosh, as we get started, could you just share a little bit of your journey? I mean, you guys have been leaders for a long, long time, but in San Francisco, just a short time, a few years. Talk about the transition. Talk about your journey. Because I've been in the South. And if you're at a restaurant and they say, where are you from? And you say, California, they say, "Ah." and here you guys were the world to come to California. God led you. And we're so happy he did. Let's hear about this. Yeah, it's, it's funny because uh, when we're in a restaurant now, they hear Jennifer's <laughs> accent more than mine, but they'll hear mine too. And they'll go, where are you from? And so I always tell them I'm from L.A. And uh, <laughs> there's a 
a, a, a different accent in LA and they go, Oh, really? And they go, and they look at us real strange. And then I say, well, it's lower Alabama. It's not. Oh, Alabama. And so, yeah, we're from lower Alabama. And uh -huh. uh, so our accent hurts us in some ways and helps us in some ways here. So it uh -huh. always uh, draws a conversation. They're, yes. they're, they're, uh, asking us, where are you from? Oh, I love your accent. You know, so it, it just starts the story, <laughs> but yeah, we, uh, we're, we've been in the ministry since, uh, 1993, right after we got married and, uh, started serving with my dad in a small church in Webb, Alabama. First of all, I was in Montgomery, just got through college, met Jennifer. Uh, we got married, lived there while she finished school. God did a work on our hearts. And the next thing I know, uh, we're in the ministry. I've given up my career and uh, we're serving God cleaning toilets uh, for I left a hundred thousand dollar a year job to scrub toilets for fifty dollars a month. And Jennifer was a nurse, but we were so happy. We went through a year, about 10 years of cleansing because we had been in college, had been in partying, just different things. And the Lord just took us through a 10 year year of cleansing. And we just uh, were under my parents there uh, serving the Lord. I started off as a youth minister, worked up to associate pastor, ended up taking over the church there. And uh, we've, you know, from uh, the very beginning, our heart has, we were saved in revival. And our heart is just to see revival come to cities and nations yes. and transform people, transform communities. And so uh, we were under my parents. And this was in 95 Brownsville broke out, out of Toronto. I think John Kilpatrick and Lyndall Cooley had went up there. And so we got a, were a part of that revival there. And our little church of about 40 people in Webb, Alabama, it has two caution lights. It has a convenience store and that's it. And a post Why office. Why do you a red light, huh? <laughs> no red light. No red light, just a caution light. Just a, one of the blinking And so, God moves in this little city and the power of God falls in this little gas station that was made into a church as when I was a kid and uh, the power of God falls there and we begin to grow and people are being touched by the power of God. Mm -hmm. And we go from about 40 people to about 600 people in the next two or three years. That's crazy. And we saw uh, 3000 people saved in five years. So it was, uh, there was a season when we would come to the church and this, again, the town is 500 people and there'd be cars lined up down the streets to come to the services there. Oh, and, um, eventually we had newspapers and different things coming in and doing articles on it. But, uh, John Kilpatrick came, uh, Bill Johnson had been there for 10 years. He started coming there and that's where we got connected with Bethel. Yeah. And so from there connected with, uh, uh, Michael, and we can share that story if you like of how we got to San Francisco from Alabama. We'd love to hear that. Yeah, please share with us. Yeah. So, uh, so I had, uh, I was the senior pastor over two, two campuses and uh, felt like the Lord was calling us to turn one of those campuses over to my associate pastor. So I turned it over to him and uh, we had another campus in another city called Dothan, Alabama. And it was about, uh, I would say 20 to 30% homeless. And then it, uh, we were really reaching the city. And so we were seeing these homeless people come off the streets and get saved, set free, and we would find them jobs. God was just doing a miraculous thing there. We were seeing salvations every single week, wow. but my finances were, were struggling. We were in, uh, I was in construction. And so for a long time, I was the largest giver in the church and I was the pastor. And I didn't receive a salary from the church for many, many years. And so uh, I, would, I would travel during the week to uh, Greenville, South Carolina or uh, Tampa, Florida. And I would work all week uh, building hospitals. It was a steel erection company. Then I'd come home. Jen would tend to the church while I was gone. And I would get home and uh, get ready to preach on Sunday. This would be on Friday night or Saturday morning, and then I would preach. Then I'd get in my car or, or a plane, and I would fly back to wherever I was at. And this kept going on and on and on, and I was uh, really in bad health, getting overweight, uh, stressed out. Blood pressure. Blood pressure was sky high. And so uh, God began to squeeze this. I, I had a, a job that was supposed to be about a million-dollar profit, and it turned into a million-dollar loss. 
and it sent us into a tailspin financially. Uh, we had to go into bankruptcy with that business. And uh, so it kind of brought me back home. So I, I was no longer on the road. So the church was flourishing, but just to be honest with you, we were struggling financially because yeah. the church couldn't afford to pay us a, a decent salary. And we had been the biggest giver all of these years. And so, uh, so it was a struggle, but God was prospering the church and it was growing and salvations and all of those things were taking place spiritually. And so uh, being frustrated, Jen had started going back to work as a nurse again because we couldn't make money. Uh, whatever I touched, just turned out bad. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, but it seems like if I do something, I, it just turns out wrong. And I was like in the business realm and I knew God was drawing me back into the kingdom of God to be in the ministry, but I didn't know how he was going to do it. And I was like, we're struggling here, Lord. And so I was sitting in my office and I was uh, moaning and groaning and I was on global legacy. And uh, I was like, God, I, I went to a job. I'm making $200,000 a year. And I went to apply at a, a company and I was going to be, I was like, I'll work for somebody. Just give me a job. And yeah. they offered me like $30,000 a year. And I was like, Ow. I haven't made $30,000 in years. And I was going to be like a head superintendent. And I was just so discouraged. And it was like, God was squeezing us that everything I tried to touch business wise, he just was not letting happen. And so I went into my office and Jen was at work. And I was praying and uh, just looking on Global Legacy. We were we were affiliated with Bethel because Bill had been with our church 10 years in a row during our revivals times. And uh, this application for Revive San Francisco pops up. And I'm like, I fill it out like in five minutes. And Michael, Michael knows Leo. Without asking me. Without asking Jennifer. What? And, and my, yeah, Michael knows Leo. Leo Scott is on the board. And he's real detailed. He's like this just detailed person. And uh, and so it was said, like, uh, how did you get saved? I was like, I gave my heart to Jesus. <laughs> you know, I was just filling this thing out fast. It was just like, oh and goodness. then uh, I almost felt guilty because I kept looking over my shoulder. I was like, somebody's watching me. I feel like I'm doing something dirty. You know, I shouldn't be doing this. And And so I send in the application and then Jennifer comes home from work. And uh, I said, uh, honey, I've got something to tell you. She goes, oh, my God, what have you done? And I, yeah. <laughs> that tells you the faith she has in my <laughs> leadership abilities. But uh, <laughs> she says, what have you done? And I said, uh, I got to tell you something. I applied to a church in San Francisco. And she said, oh, my God, we're going <laughs> to San Francisco. <laughs> You mean Sodom and Gomorrah? Is that what you were thinking? <laughs> I, I really felt like, I don't know why, I thought this sounds impossible. I mean, yes. we've lived in Alabama all of our lives. and um, But I felt in my heart, I was like, we're going to, I think we're going to go to San Francisco. And wow. um, it's funny because um, then we started watching all this stuff on San Francisco, on California, and God just started uh, moving on our heart. But we had to keep everything silent because we we just didn't know and this was a it was about a six month process um michael's aware but yeah. um we were still fathering the church that we had my dad's church that we had taken over in the campus in dothan and so these people loved us they were deeply in love with us and that was the hardest part for us was to leave yeah. those people uh but the you know the the we went there on a wednesday night and we were doing a bill johnson curriculum and uh, one of the prophetic ladies, she's a prophetess in our life. And she said, she said, Pastor Clint, I got a word for you. And I said, sure, go ahead. And she stood up and she said, um, she said, I was teaching and she teaches a little girl who has spinal bifida and her name is Rama, R-H-E-M-A. She said, I was teaching Rama. She's a one-on-one -on -one teacher for her. She's like four or five, six years old at the time. And she said, Rama was drawing uh, a picture of rainbows, the city of rainbows, with a pastor walking through this middle of the city of rainbows, fulfilling the promises of God. Wow. And uh, I said, and she says this in front of our whole church. Well, she don't know a week, just a few days before then, I had applied at this job in San Francisco. I haven't even, I had not even gotten a call from Leo yet, you know, or anybody at the church. 
And so uh, for us, the city of rainbows <laughs> was in Alabama, it's San Francisco, right? <laughs> yeah. And so Jen and I looked at each other and she says, oh my gosh, we're going to San Francisco. And so this was the journey that began. And uh, it was about a six month process where God worked on our hearts. Uh, and I knew then why we had, you know, God didn't cause my financial uh, problems, but I do believe sometimes he squeezes us to get us where he wants us. And I'm a stubborn person. You know, I, when I put my mind to something, I'm bullheaded. I'm going to make it work. And I would have never left Alabama without being squeezed. And so yeah. um, we went through the process. Yeah, before right before we came here um, to uh, visit the church for the first time, and one of our stipulations is, you know, we 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 weren't just wanting to look for a church. It had to be a fit that fit us and who we are, and everything kind of fit. And when we when we came out, um, uh, the, before we came, I had a dream, and um, it it was just it was a very live encounter with the Lord. And I, I felt like it was like I was transported to this place and I've never had a dream like that. But this, this time I had this dream and, um, I was on the coast of, um, um it looked like Mediterranean, but I'm, I now know it was the same, it's the coast here in California. And, um, I had this, um, I'd start going down this beach, all these little steps and there's, I start sliding and then there's these coffee mugs. I'm not frozen, am I? No. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, there's these coffee mugs that are all laid out beside me and I look at them and I, I said out loud in the dream, I said, these, these coffee mugs are all gone. They're all broken. And um, wherever we go, we, we usually collect coffee mugs and they're just unique to different areas. And so I was seeing these coffee mugs that I had lost. I was like, these are not there anymore. And the Lord spoke to me in a dream and he said, there's nothing broken in heaven. And I knew immediately that, well, the Lord was restoring things that I thought we had lost, mm -hmm. but also it was a word for Revive San Francisco. It was a word for the church that, he was bringing healing to the church because the church had been through some pain and hopelessness. And so I knew that that was the word for the church whenever we came. And then the Lord gave Clint a word also for before yeah, we came. Before we came, he gave me the word of Micah 2, 12, 13. It says, I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. And he had me put revive in there. I will surely gather the remnant of revive. I will put them together like the sheep of a fold, like a flock in the midst of their pastor. They shall make a loud noise because of so many people. And the one who breaks open will come up before them. They will break out. They will pass through the gate and go out by it. Their king will pass before them with the Lord at their head. And so this has been our verse for revive that, uh, that God was not finished with revive and what you guys had started and planted, what Jake had sown into, uh, this storyline for revive was not over. And we're, we're even exploring the storyline of San Francisco because the storyline of San Francisco is not over. And mm -hmm. we are in this storyline just like you guys were. And uh, we're just so glad to be in the storyline. So, uh, yeah, that's how we got here, Michael. That is so amazing. That's such a good story. I'm so glad to hear it all in one setting. Um, so, obviously, the church had got through some challenges when you arrived, uh, before you arrived. And uh, you had some rebuilding to do. How did you approach that? Because you guys are seasoned leaders. You've done a lot of leadership over the years. Um, but coming into a, a situation that was you know, had gone through some issues. How did you approach that initially? What was your initial kind of uh, effort there? Yeah, it was also a completely different culture than you were used to. It, was, yeah. it, it probably felt almost like you were moving to a different country in some ways. Yeah, I, I think one of the things we did too is we came in kind of, we had vision to do things, but we came in to develop, we had to come in and develop the trust of the people. And it took a while to, to get the trust and to rebuild their hope um, yes. because there was no way to build on anything without those things, getting their trust and um, 
and building their hope back up. Yeah. And, you know, I, being a pastor in a church since the 90s, you know, churches just go through issues and it's just something we deal with. It's nothing that anybody has done that's wrong. Usually it's just that this is life and you have to go through it. And so, uh, like she said, there was a lot of, uh, there was no hope there. And we didn't know at the time, but many of the leaders, like half of the board was leaving. I'd interviewed and had dinner with, and half of them were leaving. Uh, and we didn't know it yet, you know? And so when we got here, some of them had left and one of one or two of them eventually stayed on with us, uh, which was real good. But I remember going to Danny Silk. He was over in the East Bay and Danny was doing a leadership conference over there, which he's so wise and, and has such wisdom. And I told him what we were doing. And I said, what do we do? And he says, you humble yourself, you build their trust and don't make changes right away. And so so that's what we did as leaders. We just come in and we would humble ourselves. Uh, we honored the leadership that was there, mm -hmm. uh, that God, because they already had two pastors there. They already had a great board, worship leader. Uh, they, they had filled every position. And so we honored those and and didn't make changes until people were moved out. And so some during the season, some would end up leaving and then we could make a change. Uh, yeah. And that was that was kind of the process is not to upset the ship but to keep it going like it is and honor what uh, these people had sown in this time of turmoil, you know? Yeah. So. One of the things you mentioned earlier in our, in our members gathering was the fact that, you know, you, you had a, like a, a process that you went through and that, you know, San Francisco is a city that has a high turnover rate. Uh, if you're just listening to this for the first time, most major cities have a 25% turnover rate. Well, San Francisco is more like a 30, 35% turnover rate with no problems. People just coming in, getting their degree or coming in and starting their career and then moving out or they have their first baby and then they want to buy a house and they can't buy it in San Francisco. You guys have, have been living that. So it's almost like pastoring a moving target. It's like pastoring uh, on a campus almost yes. because you have, you know, three years of somebody's life, you know, when they're getting their degree. Mm -hmm. And so talk about that because earning that trust you know, being able to come in and work with people when they're a moving target. How did that feel? Yeah, it was a lot different than Alabama because we were so used to um, children's ministry flourishing, mm -hmm. youth ministries flourishing, all of those things just being, you know, uh, my youth group at my dad's church got up to 75 kids. My, our children's church was 100 kids. You know, all of those things that we just grew and people loved and you come to San Francisco and there weren't many families that were staying in the city. Uh, there, there were a few. And so we, we began to pray, hey, Lord, uh, we need you to provide homes for families. And so we've seen that breakthrough take place where now some of our members are at a place they can buy a home in San Francisco and plant themselves here. And so, uh, yeah, so it was a, it was always a moving target with that uh, turnover. And it was, uh, it's also a good thing because I believe Revive has had this prophetic word that it would always be a sender, that it would be sending people out. And so uh, we embrace that now. And I think that I've embraced, it's not about how big your church is. It's about how big the people are. And so we've changed our mentality of let's grow a, a big church in a city to let's raise up big people so that when they do leave, that they're taking something with them of revive to other cities. And so, yeah. you know, when we come, when we come in, uh, we came in in 2018 with 30 or 40 people. And then by 2020, we had went up to, you know, 120, 150 people, about 300%. And then we hit the pandemic. And mm -hmm. so that set us completely back. I was thinking about this. It's funny. We went up 300% to get to that number, but a 75% loss took the 300% away <laughs> in the pandemic. That's right. So, so uh, but yeah, so that was the, I think that that's the, one of the things that I learned in this season as a leader, first of all, pray more. Pray, 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 pray. Mm -hmm. And uh, the second thing is, is to, and, and Michael, you told me this, uh, and I can't remember how many appointments you told me I need to have a week, but 
is to sow into people, sow into people, meet with them, sow into them, father them, mother them, uh, help them find their God-given uh, talents and, and gifts and sow into their lives. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, um, just as we counsel people all over the planet, everybody feels like their place is the hard place because they're dealing with this strong, strong man in that region. And um, But I think of San Francisco, you know, I think the um, poverty range in San Francisco for the average family is 120,000 a year. Yep, that's right. Pain like that. For you to have a family or families can buy a house there, the average Mm -hmm. house, I would think, is probably $2 million or something. I don't know. But, um, you know, uh, so what, what you're, you know, up against is extraordinary. And um, I feel like what you're doing in the way that you're doing it makes so much sense, you know. So good. Well, talk to us a little bit about the trust issue, because that that seemed to be a major, both in terms of your heart coming in, as well as Danny Silk's counsel. What were some of the keys to building that trust in a church and hope, but the trust in in a church that had gone through some challenges? Yeah, I think... um, my leadership style is more of a servant leadership style. Yes. And I remember the first Sunday or the first weekend we were there, they had a men's group and uh, I jumped in and started washing the dishes. That was the first thing I did. I, I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, wash. And I do wash. Jen makes me wash the dishes. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a good dishwasher. Well so I know that. And, uh, and so I jumped in and, and began to wash the dishes and then I saw others start jumping in and helping. And I think that was our leadership style was to serve. You know, uh, those who are going to be the greatest in my kingdom are going to be the servants. And it was to serve and lead well. And there's a book that come out by Laurie Beth Jones. Uh, Michael, you probably remember it. Jesus, I think it's called Jesus Christ CEO or something of that nature. And I, I remember reading this book years and years ago where Jesus uh, goes to wash the disciples' feet. And uh, he takes off all of his royalty and he's down to his servant's clothing. He gets down and begins to wash their feet. And, you know, he gets to Peter and, and you know, the story. But it, it's this uh, idea of not being the, the big man on the block, but being the one who will put his robe aside and serve those who are in the body of Christ. And uh, not in a way that um, people will take advantage of you. They will. But in a way that leads by example. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest part of this that I've seen and the Lord's really been working in with me in this is this part of humility and leadership. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in second Chronicles seven fourteen, if my people will humble themselves and pray, uh, there's this humility that brings about, and I begin to look at revival leaders, those who walked in humility experienced the presence of God. You look at Youngie Cho, you look at uh, Bill Johnson, you look at my father, you look at John Kilpatrick, very humble people. John Arnott, you look at these people, they walk in such humility and God honored that. And so ours was to come in low, come in low, (laughs) humble ourselves and serve well. And what they needed was fathers and mothers to love on them during a time where their their trust, they thought, I don't think that it was, is not the intention of any person to break people's trust, but they thought their trust had been broken. And so there was that uh, little bit, especially with some of the leadership of, mm, we're not sure about this, you know. Yeah. So. yeah, and I think I think another thing we did is we tried to come in and bring stability, which is who we are as a mother and father yeah, as, as well, a family. is stability. They needed stability. Mm-hmm. Wow. I remember um, we had a church on 10th Street before we 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 graduated up to our where we put a million dollars into our final building. But there was this sweet Southern girl that came into our church. And, you know, our church had the whole gamut of kinds of people that are in San Francisco. So it was not she was this country girl from the South. And um, I, she came up to me for prayer and she said, I'm not used to this kind of church. And she had this sweet <laughs> thing. She said, I'm just used to the 
good, good Jesus and the bad, bad devil. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you just cling to Jesus. And I just think that there's something about that simplicity that comes from the South that I feel like could just will really work in San Francisco because people are looking for relationship. They're looking, this is across the globe, really. It's not yes. just San Francisco. They're just what you just said. They're looking for community. They're looking for mothers and fathers and family. Um, the cyber world, especially in San Francisco, is so big. The middle class is being ousted and the lower class has almost completely been ousted. And um, people want authenticity of relationship. And yeah. they know that, hey, I work at this mega job. I live in a house. My son, Aaron, just moved about a year ago from San Francisco. He lived with 10 people in a house that they rented for $11,000 a month, which was typical rent for the size house they were in. Yeah. And people want, they want to know that I've arrived. This isn't all there is, is it? They want Jesus. They want mm -hmm. the family of God. And um, yes. I just have so much hope for you guys being there and being who you are and that God's called you, you know? Yeah, I think what you're hitting on there is is what San Francisco has. The good thing is it's a merciful city. Yes. You know, it has the mercy gift here. And more than Alabama, the mercy dwells in the city. But it draws those who want mercy. So it yes. draws uh, those who are broken, broken in identity, the gay community, the uh, the. Uh, you know, the all the different transgender, all of those different communities are drawn into San Francisco because they're looking for somebody to be merciful to them. So what I think that what has helped with us coming from the South, the South is so family unit oriented, is mm -hmm. that San Francisco needs families. And yeah. most of the congregation that we minister to are singles or there's somebody struggling with identity. And so... Uh, I really, that's what we began to pray was, Lord, send families to San Francisco, help families own homes in San Francisco. Because it's like Michael said, when they have their first child, oh, we're moving to the East Bay, we're moving to Reading, we're moving to uh, Texas or Ohio. Mm -hmm. And so we're just believing that God is going to raise up families in this city. And, and this, that's happening. It's happening. We've, yeah. we've doubled in children over the last couple of weeks, three weeks. That's beautiful. Uh, we're doubling in families. This, and these are families that can afford to buy homes in San Francisco. So it's it's really what's going to be a stronghold in the city spiritually is a good stronghold. It's going to be that families move here and build a culture that's a family culture, not looked at as uh, something that's tearing the culture of the family down. That's yeah. good. Now, you guys moved um, into a new building uh, about a year, a year and a half ago, right? Talk yeah. about that because you, I mean, if, if you don't know San Francisco, anybody watching this, <laughs> San Francisco has a number of different neighborhoods and the neighborhoods are pretty focused in terms of the people yeah. groups they track and so forth. But some of the oldest neighborhoods are North Beach and, uh, you know, Broadway Street and Chinatown. And you planted the church right in that area, right on Washington Square. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, North Beach is, it's called Little Italy. And it mm -hmm. is so beautiful. Your building is on a square that has some of the most famous buildings in it. You have a park across right the out. square. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. what you have is so extraordinary. It's such a blessing. So uh, I'll back up, <laughs> let me back up just a little bit. Because when I uh, interviewed for this job, I, I had an interview with uh, this man named Michael Brodeur. And he said, uh, he said, look, when you see the building, don't judge the people by the building. Don't make your decision, don't make based, your decision on based on the building. And I said, OK. And uh, and so when we came to San Francisco, we went and uh, the prices, the rents for commercial buildings is so astronomical for churches. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just crazy. And Michael could probably tell us what he paid in rent even uh, at that time. But it was it was thousands and thousands and thousands. So, so, so we were renting this building, this space, but we really weren't, we really didn't really want to be there. But it was a good price. And so we were thankful. We tried, we painted, we did all kinds of stuff and um, redid the carpet, just trying to make it better. Um, 
And so the parking was really, really rough there. You couldn't get parking, no parking lot. And people mm -hmm. would drive around for an hour and then they would leave and not come to church. Right. Um, and so the, the people that owned the building decided they wanted to sell it. During the pandemic. During the pandemic, which turned out to be a, a blessing. blessing for us because we really wanted to leave the building, but we couldn't leave the building. And so um, we, that pushed us to start looking for another space. So we're looking, we're looking all over the city and prices are so expensive. And um, one of our members uh, that's with YWAM, Jen Hauser, she said, why don't you go look at North Beach and look at the Italian Athletic Club? And I, I, my first response was, you know, but parking in North Beach is a right. nightmare because it, it would be worse than where we were. And I said, you know, the only way we can do this is if we get a parking, parking uh, deck and we're having an agreement. And so we went and looked at the building. When we went and looked, I thought, wow, this is this is a great space. And I just we fell in love with it. It was a good price. Uh, we do have to set Relative. up and tear down. Well, yeah, Relative. set up and tear down every week. But um, I felt like it was a space we could grow. But I said, you know, again, if we can't have a parking space and the guy that was um, showing us the building, he said, well, we have a member with our Italian athletic club that um, owns a parking deck one block away. I'm sure he will help you. And when Clint called him, he said, um, he told him what we were needing. And he said, oh, sure. I, I could, um, he said, he said, I, he said, welcome to this, to the neighborhood. He said, I'm a Christian. He's I'm a Catholic, but I'm a Christian. And he said, we need you in this, in this area. Wow. And he said, he gave us a cheap deal for the parking deck. So, when we signed the lease, he was there and we had immediately had parking and we had the building. So it was just a favor of God on us uh, during this season. So we started back in like February on Valentine's, on Valentine's Day. Day. So wow. it'd be a, it would be a year. But then we we had to not we didn't meet a few times. Well, we started in August of was it 2020? They let us have like three meetings yeah. and then they closed us That's again. Right. And then we started back in 2021 oh, on Valentine's. Valentine's and wow. uh, we've just about returned to the level before the pandemic. I think yeah. we've mentioned this on the other meeting we were in is that we during the pandemic was a shaking and I think it was a good shaking. Uh, it was a pruning. It was a shaking uh, and we lost that building. Uh, different things happen. But God has restored us to uh, the attendance that we had before the pandemic. Our income is almost at the place. Uh, we had lost 50% of our income. You know, it's almost at the place back to where it was. So God is just really blessing us. And one of the cool things is, is we're seeing people get saved. We're baptizing them right on the streets of San Francisco on the, on the sidewalk. Yep. And people will drive by and honk their horn and cheer when they see people getting baptized. It's, it's just a, <laughs> the atmosphere of San Francisco is so ripe for the harvest. It's yeah. just so ripe for the harvest. And I want to encourage everybody listening, please uh, find them on Facebook and Instagram and see some of this amazing footage of people getting baptized right on the square. It's just yeah. lovely. Yeah, I remember when in the 90s, when we rented our big building and did a remodel, we put a million dollars into it. We paid $18,000 a month. We had an eight or nine year lease. And at the end of that, they said, you're welcome to stay if you can pay $36,000 a month. Wow. And that's in the 90s. That's crazy. And it's, yeah. You know, it's, I mean, what God, you guys, they have um, a blow up pool. They put there right on the sidewalk outside this beautiful building, and people gather around. We got <laughs> to be there on a Sunday where they were doing a baptism. It was, it was so beautiful and just charged with life. It was, it's beautiful what God's doing there. Let's let's yeah. shift a little bit. Let's talk about vision. I want to hear what you're seeing for the future. Like when you look ahead three years or five years, what is God saying to you guys about his plans? Yeah, come on. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we're seeing the fulfillment of the word that when we came to San Francisco, I really felt like we were kind of behind the eight ball the first two or three years. But now that we've come through this pandemic, I see the fruition of the words coming forth. And I, I shared in the Leaders Alliances that the Lord spoke to me, if you'll solidify your foundations, then I will bring the increase. And so we really have uh, 
banked on this word from the Lord that this year, 2022, is the increase of the Lord if we will solidify our foundations. And so part of our leadership style, again, like I said, was to raise up big people, not try to make a big church. And so um, what we do, and I wanted to share this, Michael, if you don't mind, what we do is we, uh, when someone comes into the church, we take them through a series and, and uh, we already have a plan and it's not to get them to join the church, it's to make them a big person. And so they immediately, we use Destiny Finders, which is Michael's uh, creation, which is amazing if you're watching this. I think every church should send every member through Destiny Finders. That ought to be the first thing they ought to do. So when they come to our church, we, they go into Revive Life One, which has nothing to do. They can join if they want to, but even if you're not joining, we're going to sow into you. We buy them Destiny Finders. We give them Michael's book. We give them a Bill Johnson book. We give them an Ed Silvosa book. And they go through this process. And then when they go to join the church, they immediately go to Revive Life Two, which is our teaching on the kingdom culture, just how to have a kingdom culture. But in there, they decide whether they want to be an ecclesia, a family planted in the city. So if you're going to be a member of Revive, you choose to be a family planted in the city for the kingdom of God. Wow. And so that's really what we've done. And then we take them into training in Revive Life 3 of what we've, they've learned all their giftings through Michael's Destiny Finder. Now, where are we going to, what are you going to do for the kingdom of God? And so whether we have 50 people or five, I would rather have 50 people who know their giftings and callings and are walking in what God's called them to do than 5,000 people that you're having to spoon feed every day. And you're not, you're just a good church, you know? And so this is, this has been the shift of the mentality. So God gave us a vision because I really felt like he said, to grab hold of what Michael brought to the city, to enter the enter Michael Brodeur's storyline, enter Jake Winslow's storyline, and then to add my storyline. And so I've tried to take from what Michael has done, and then with Jake, he had a vision of 500 uh, churches or small groups in the city. I've grabbed hold of that. I'm calling it Ecclesias because we have connected with Ed Silvosa and his book, Ecclesia. It's a real good book. And we are, we're, our commission, we are commissioning, our goal is to commission 500 Ecclesias in the city of San Francisco. That's families, small groups, uh, that is uh, businesses. So we anoint and commission every month business leaders, small groups, families to be an Ecclesia in the San Francisco. And, and the reason for that is, is simple, um, is that we're salt and light. And salt has to be sprinkled through the city or leaven has to be sprinkled through the city. And a little bit of leaven will change the whole lump, right? And right. so uh, instead of staying in the four walls, if we can get people to see that they're an ecclesia, their home is an ecclesia, their business is an ecclesia, their parachurch ministry is an ecclesia, and we scatter them through the city. That's the only way we're going to see transformation come to the city. And so that's our model. I'm believing in the next three to five years to have 500 ecclesias that will be commissioned into the city. I eventually believe it'll be 500 small groups. We call them circles, uh, circle groups. And so in every home, homes throughout the city, just imagine San Francisco with 500 uh, small groups, which is Michael's teaching, pastor's coach, all of this goes through that, to be planted throughout the city, uh, we can see transformation come to San Francisco. It's That's possible good. when you have that model. That's so Amen. good. Well, San Francisco draws powerful men and women, you know, that are seeking out their destinies for jobs, for school. Jen, what's what's what do you feel like your heart is for for women, or what are you seeing the Lord do in your church with women? Um, I think you know my heart has always been for family, and so um, mm -hmm. I I love uh, pouring into people, seeing them come alive, and just ministering to the family and um, helping people see how important that role is that that yes. they. So into their family and um, so into their children and 
Um, you know, and so I'm seeing that with, I feel like that we're starting to see some fruit in that because we've, before we got here, nobody was having babies in the church. <laughs> and I think we naturally carry um, family and that's just the spirit we carry. And everything we ever did was always with our family. We always involved our children in ministry and they were, everybody was a part. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I just, I see that in, in the ladies that are in the church that mm -hmm. they really have a heart for family and, um, and I think that's what the city needs. Yeah, yes. Diane, I think one of the things that with the city, we have such strong women. So they're, they're career strong, all mm -hmm. of these things that come in and they're powerful women. And this is the beautiful thing. Cause I think the church has uh, not recognized women like they should. They have not given them their seat at the mm -hmm. table. They haven't invited them with their giftings. And it's been a male dominated, dominated type society and church, and at least in the South, I don't know about here, but in, in San Francisco, there's such strong women, they're attorneys, they're, uh, they're, they're business leaders. Some of the most yeah. powerful women in the city we've seen in our church. And uh, they bring such strength to the body of Christ. And so, uh, but what, one thing they have put off that we see in San Francisco is family. So yeah. they, they will go 35, 40 years and not marry to have their career. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, we're kind of bringing that you can have both, you can have family so and you can have your career. And so, uh, I think that's a big part of who we are in San yeah. Francisco. And, and what we're finding is with those people, they're lonely. Yes. They're lonely and they do have regrets. And so, yeah. and they feel like maybe they've waited too long. They've um, had to yeah. choose. Yeah. That's right. So, yeah. yeah. I love that passage. He will set the solitary in families. And yeah. there's, by and large, people are solitary in San Francisco. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, no, it's, it's real. Um, I would love to hear kind of your... <clears throat> your heart or your advice for other pastors and leaders. I mean, you guys have been through a massive transition moving from the South to San Francisco, taking a church that was, had gone through some challenges and really bringing revival back to that church. And then also getting hit with COVID right in the middle of that and having to scramble and really, you know, find your way back. You know, you, you guys seem to be, you know, like, uh, cats that land on your feet. You seem to have mm -hmm. your, uh, you know, your ability to, to pivot when needed. Um, what words of advice can you give to other pastors and leaders? I know that some are struggling, some are okay, but all of them go through transition. Yeah. What would you say? Yeah. I, the one thing I would say uh, is be, be willing to be flexible, do have structure, but be flexible. And at the same time, listen to the Holy Spirit, because mm -hmm. we wouldn't know what to do without the Holy Spirit. And yes. I just think following the Holy Spirit, that's the, that's the key is, it's all about his presence. It's all about what is the Lord saying right now? What is he saying to do right now? Instead of me trying to figure it all out, because I don't have all the answers. And if, if anything, COVID has taught us that, that we don't have all the mm -hmm. answers and we can't rely on what we think and what worked in the past, but we need to hear a fresh word from the Lord. And we need to hear what is the Holy Spirit saying? And it may look different for different people in different cities. And so that's why I think it's just important to hear, be hearing the voice of the Lord in this yeah. season. Yeah. And I, for, uh, for me, it would be, you know, I am such a pastor's person and I love pastors. And I know Michael is, he's, uh, you're the biggest advocate we have. Uh, and we love you for that. Jen and I talk about it all the time. You're on our board and you're, you're just an advocate for pastors. And so, uh, pastors can be a lonely, it can be a lonely life sometimes. And especially we get to comparing ourselves to other pastors and their callings and what God's doing in, you know, another city. And this church is this big and this church is, is going through this. And then when you're going through these processes that are painful, it makes you feel like you're not doing something well, or you're not doing something right. And that's not always the case. It's that, uh, during transition, transition is always hard. Uh, but the, uh, the verse that he gave me with the Isaiah six, uh, verse is that, you know, um, during the, during the times that the King Uzziah had died, um, 
I saw Isaiah saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up. He was still sitting on the throne. Mm -hmm. And so during those times of COVID, during those times of problems, trials and tribulations, God is still on the throne and he's invited us into this narrative for San Francisco. And it may not look like the narrative of Alabama. It may not be a big church. It may, it may be 600 people, but it may be 150 people. It may be 200 people. And so, uh, it's to the the leadership thing that I feel that's working right now is God is calling leaders back into the communion with him to solidify their foundations of prayer. And, and this one was hard for me because I wasn't a big fasting person is <laughs> prayer and fasting. And I did a sermon because, you know, we we're tied to Bethel and Bethel's like, hey, when the bridegroom's here, you don't fast, you party. Right. <laughs> and so. Uh, the Lord has really connected me with Roger Joyner from Ekbalo and Mondo Matthews from Ekbalo. These are Lou Engle people. And I know Lou Engle's way on that other extreme, but yeah. uh, they've really challenged me into this prayer and fasting. And so I begin to look into the scripture and I really think he's calling leaders to uh, solidify their foundations of prayer, fasting in the word, solidify their foundations of their leadership you know, we lost some leadership positions during COVID and that's good. Uh, there was some shakings that took place that needed to happen and people needed to move so that God could bring transition. And then in the last part of that verse of, of Isaiah, he says, even if it comes down to a stump, I can bring my seed or my remnant out of that stump. And so even if you feel like if you're a leader and everything is falling apart and you think uh, everything's being destroyed around me, God can bring a whole new tree out of that stump. And sometimes it may be necessary uh, for that to happen. I think that's what's happened at Revive is it got down to a stump. And now God is bringing and flourishing that thing yeah. uh, back to the original destiny and calling that you guys had, that Jake had to see the fulfillment of that. Yeah. So well, I think as leaders, um, we have depending on what kind of ministry training or family we come out of, we have this interpretation of what success looks like. And traditionally, you know, there's a pressure, big is better, um, big is successful, um, whatever your paradigm means. But what Jesus raised up was a small band of people, like you're talking about, not big church, but big people, and now we're today we're reading the book about the that small band of brothers that brought transformation to the world yeah and so that's right we can't measure ourselves and um it, you know i shared at, at your fellowship um, what the lord showed me he said diane it's not going to look like what you thought and we we were you know prayer fasting all of that lou was at our fellowship you know and um and what God means is successful, I feel like, is having a deep well of peace that mm-hmm. produces faith, that produces hope, that produces love, yes. and that produces a character that says that is going to make us not ashamed. And then mm-hmm. we have life to give people. <clears throat> We're not birthing things out of strife and pressure, you know? That's mm-hmm. right. Yes. That's so good. Well, guys, we need, to, we need to wrap up in just a minute here, but I'd love you. Any final words you'd like to say to leaders, maybe maybe even some marketplace leaders that are out there listening or, you know, thought leaders, different people, certainly church leaders, any words of encouragement or advice you have for them? And I'd love to hear from both of you on I'll that. And then we'll, we'll, we'll close with prayer here. Yeah, I, I'm so, uh, I'm so, thrilled with the ministries, especially Catch the Fire, Transform Our World, Bethel, who are really sowing into marketplace leaders. They're sowing into thought leaders uh, because this is where we're going to see transformation. Uh, And I believe at the, and I've heard Michael say this, the church is kind of like the root and we should be producing branches that of thought leaders, of marketplace leaders, where we're commissioning and honoring people and and what God has given them as gifts. And you are the ecclesia too. You're ecclesia. We're the church in the sense of the home stump church, but God is really using ecclesias to bring transformation. 
And uh, we just want to say, hey, if you haven't felt like you are a part of the local body of Christ, we, we repent as pastors. We repent and apologize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we invite you into the process where even business leaders have felt like that the pastors were there just for their money. Uh, we don't want to be that. We know that money is part of it, but that's not what it's about. It's about you being raised up and equipped to be an ecclesia for the kingdom of God. And so, uh, yeah, I just encourage all business leaders, marketplace leaders, uh, parachurch ministries. The Lord has really told me to, hey, sow into these parachurch ministries and help them become big people because many of them don't have the foundations and the uh, resources that we have as churches. And so uh, we've taken on an apostolic role of many parachurch ministries in the city and not trying to create something in their place, but partnering with them to see their success in the city. So YWAM, City Impact, Beautiful Powerful Women, Word of Grace, all of these we're trying to partner with instead of, oh, well, we're going to create our own little outreach ministry. Now let's partner with those who are doing it and help them be successful in what they're doing. Uh, again, I'll, I'll end with this, and then I'll let Jen say some. <laughs> you pretty much said you pretty much said what I would say. But uh, the the yeah. one thing I, when we did come um, to the city, the Lord kind of connected us with some marketplace people that are pretty that were pretty important in their roles um, um, over some stuff at like Salesforce and Facebook. And um, what I found is they felt like that the church wasn't on their side. And it, that was really discouraging to, to us because we, we, we were so excited about what they were doing. And um, they basically were pastoring people in their marketplace. And I said, I, I think this is, this is great. Yes. And for some reason, some of the church felt threatened and we, we shouldn't feel threatened that they're doing what God has called them to do. And so we're, I guess we just want them to know that, hey, we're behind you. This is what it's all about is that you go out, we send you out and you do what, what you're supposed to do because they touch people that we will never touch. That's and so, um, so just encouraging. Yeah, we people. heard the same story. We, we were given, uh, you know, an ear. People invited us into Facebook. We went right into the midst of Facebook prayed over, uh, what's Facebook's founder's name? Uh, Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg prayed over his desk, you know, right over, we went over to the second floor, prayed over his desk uh, with Facebook leaders. We were invited with Google. We would have been invited in with Salesforce. And all three of them said they felt like that they did not have the support of pastors. And we Mm. don't want them to feel that way at all. And so I think that is shifting because I know in Catch the Fire, Catch the Fire's Heart, the Leaders Alliance is for marketplace people as well as as churches and pastors. And so, uh, yeah, that's a good thing. I'll end with this. I I really, this is the word of the Lord is solidify your foundations. And I believe he's going to bring increase during this year. The word was given to me in November of 2021. I didn't realize all the 20, all the twos in 2022. My prophetic wife told me about that. She said, do you realize all the twos in there? And I was like, no. And uh, the Lord said he would double. This is the year of double. And uh, like I said, we're doubling. We've already doubled and probably tripled in congregation since February the 14th. We've our increases have almost doubled. Our finances have almost doubled. Uh, Once I gave that word, uh, one of our teenagers from Alabama uh, posted on Facebook. I'm, she's not a teenager anymore. She was married. <laughs> she's married uh, now. Yeah. She's married. She's yeah, she's grown. She's not pregnant yet. So, as a so she posted on Facebook, we are having twins. And I had just prophesied that on Sunday. Be careful not to get pregnant in 2022 because you may have twins. And and she posted that next week. That's we just fine. found out we're pregnant and we're having twins. And so uh, this is the year of increase. I just encourage you, there's hope during this season. Yes, we've been through a shaking. Yes, we've been through a pruning, but there is hope and God's going to bring you through this season in prosperity and fruitfulness, you know. Excellent. Well, that reminds me just a a verse I want to leave with you guys. Okay. Uh, Zechariah 9.12. He says, return to the stronghold, you prisoner of hope. For behold, I will restore double to you. Wow. Yeah. We're a double, and uh, let's let's just lay hold of that and embrace yes. that. Can you guys just close in prayer, uh, just a prayer of impartation for those who are listening and for those who will be listening in the future? 
and uh, we'll wrap it up. Yeah. Okay. You want to pray, Jen? Yeah. Father, we just thank you for your presence here today. And um, we just honor all of those that are listening right now. And I just speak blessings. I pray that they would be filled with hope. Lord, I pray that you would remind them of the things that you have spoken to them, the things that you have put in their heart to do, Lord. And Lord, that, that this year that they would see the increase, Lord, that they would see the breakthrough, Lord, that yes. you would encourage their heart, Lord, that that their desires would be fulfilled and it would become a tree of life in their in, in their life, Lord, that, that they would see increase, favor, and blessing in Jesus' name. Yeah. Yeah, Lord, we just pray, Lord. Lord, I pray that uh, such rich heritage that uh, we have in Catch the Fire and Leaders Alliance and Michael and Diane. And Lord, I just pray that uh, this would be a year of increase for Catch the Fire, Leaders Alliance, for this whole movement, Father. Lord, that you birthed it out of revival, Lord. You birthed it out of this uh, passion for churches and for marketplace ministers, Father, and for your kingdom to be expanded. And Lord, we just pray that this would be a season of double for this ministry, Lord, that their influence would increase throughout the nation. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You guys are delightful. Yes. Thank, Thank you for having us. Thank you, guys. It's an honor to be walking with you, and uh, I'm so excited about all that God is going to be doing. So God bless you, and God bless all of you that are listening. Check out our website at leadersalliance.org. Sign up for our free newsletter. You'll get a lot of information and some free gifts that we give as the, as the months and weeks go on. So God bless you all. Take care.